Thanks for joining us again here on Not Playing with Lex and Dan. I'm Lex. You don't sound like Lex. Yeah, well, I'm Lex with a cold. Oh, well, I'm Dan without a cold for, for once this year. I am pretty jealous. I, I'm, I know you are. I feel, uh, I feel diseased and sick, and my kids are worried about you know catching whatever I have. They don't even want to touch me. That's interesting that you say that. Would you call yourself untouchable i just might and uh, as it turns out as i as, as regular listeners know first timers may not realize uh on this show we watch movies that at least one of us has never seen before but that most other people in the world probably have well at least most other people in the pop culture embracing world and uh, tonight's film is the brian de palma period crime classic the untouchables a a yes a another 80s movie though it does not take place in the 80s and uh i have not seen it well, since you haven't seen it, can you tell me what, if anything, you know about it? This is what I know. When you mentioned to me earlier uh, that this was the movie we were going to watch tonight, my immediate thoughts were, uh, I believe it's about the FBI and Al Capone. <laughs> That's pretty good. And yeah. I feel, I don't, I don't know this, and I could be very wrong. Uh, I, the thing that went off in my brain is that maybe Kevin Costner is in it, and I don't know if that's accurate or not. Kevin Costner is in it. Okay, and this I'll is his second time in our season, right? Indeed, indeed. Uh, there are some other well-known faces in it. I expect you'll recognize a couple of them. Um, and I think uh, I think you might enjoy it. I think I know nothing else about it. That's pretty good then. All right, well, we'll go in and, and maybe you'll have fun and enjoy yourself. Maybe not. I don't know. I can't predict these things. I've seen the movie poster, I think, and I feel like it's dark and brooding and like there's a bunch of guys in suits. Not like I... Reservoir Dogs walking. So you've, like... you've seen a Brian De Palma movie, in other words. <laughs> right. I feel like this is going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of noir-esque, so I don't sure, know if I'm right Sure, sure. There's, there's an element of that. Yeah, I, I'd say that's fair. Well, uh, you know, enough of this dilly-dallying. What are I'm we waiting for? I'm done with dilly-dallying. Is this the first R-rated movie? Oh, no, I guess you know, <laughs> Coming to America. Must <laughs> Do you remember movie. all the movies with swears and nudity that we oh, talked right. about yeah, okay. every time? It was the 80s. Things were looser right. then. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, let's watch it, shall we? All right, well, we have moved to the point where the Paramount logo has just faded to black. I got about uh, an hour 59 and change on my uh, on my timer there. Yeah, I'm showing 159.07 on the old That's Netflix. That's where I'm at. Excellent. All right, great. We will press play in three, two, one. Well, Lex. It's finally happened. You've finally seen The Untouchables. Indeed I have. And heard it. It's pretty loud. Yeah. I'm going to turn its volume That's down. That's what I did. Just ever so slightly as soon as I figure out how. Well, now that we've seen The Untouchables together. We have. For the first time. What do you think? What did you think? Did you, did you, did you think? I got nothing. I did think. Well, you know, I I would say I liked it okay. That's what I'm going with. Okay. Okay. I thought it was uh good. I complained <laughs> one might call yeah. it good. I complained during the movie a couple times that the 
And I imagine the people who know and remember this movie, but who listen to Just the Capsule Edition and haven't watched it recently, might not even know what I'm talking about here. But the music, in my mind, was it's over a, the top. It's a little, it's a little ridiculous. It's heavy-handed. It is very heavy-handed, and it's also, I mean, you can pretty much get the idea of what's going to happen in any scene right. just by listening the, to the music. The, whole, the entire soundtrack is basically spoiler alert. Which is interesting because it's uh, Ennio Morricone, who, of course, uh, scored a bunch of the spaghetti westerns, like the Clint Eastwood movies right. for uh, Sergio Leone back in the in the sixties and seventies. Who's a, a great uh, a great uh, composer, but it doesn't. I don't think it quite works in this in this film. I feel like a better score would enhance this movie. Right. I think that's not that exactly it's a right. bad movie, but you know, it it is weird, and it's also very it's very stylized. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of playing with camera angles and a lot of stuff that, you know, I think probably felt more out of the box at the time and looks a little bit cheesy by today's standards. Right. It's, it's kind of like, I mean, this movie is nothing like an M. Night Shyamalan movie, but he loves, you know, in his later movies as they got worse and worse, he loves to, you know, have unusually framed shots and unusual camera angles. And for me, I find it frustrating because I don't want to be brought out of the experience. I, I, I don't want your direction to be, you know totally negligible but i to me as soon as i notice it there's a problem <laughs> yeah i mean i like the idea that you know i like that the direction is deliberate right it's not just like hey we'll slap a shot here and a, and a slap a shot there and you know pretty soon we have a movie right? right but yeah it does get there's a lot about this movie that i think is over the top including um i would say this is the most robert de niro robert de niro role ever <laughs> yeah i think that's right <laughs> Um, I mean, there's a whole, like, that whole speech is, like, hardly in full sentences, which is hilarious. Yeah. And, you know, I think that it's, uh, but so, I mean, I liked it. I uh, I know, obviously, uh, a little bit of Al Capone history, but I, I have no idea how true to facts this retelling of the story is. I think not. I mean, it's based, apparently, on Elliot Ness's actual book. Okay. Um, so, it certainly seems like, if that's the case, that it's it's you know it's tinged somewhat by his uh you know his recollection of events and and his bias right sure. um but it's also it, it portrays him i mean guess not not exclusively in a good light right i mean you know he he does some questionable things right but at the same time you know he still comes out looking the best of anybody in the movie i'm surprised that elliot ness if this is you know if he's telling it honestly that it doesn't uh that he gets in no trouble uh, for that right, thing at the end, right? But I guess the concern that I'd say I have with the movie, or the the reason that I wouldn't say that I thought it was great, uh, is it's like in the movie Titanic. <laughs> this is not a great analogy, but you know that the boat sinks. Spoiler alert! Mm-hmm. Sure. And so here, you know that Elliot Ness will emerge mildly victorious. I mean, he's going to lose some friends along the way. But I didn't feel like there was an I felt like they were heightening the wrong bits of drama sometimes. Like, is Kevin Costner going to be okay? And is Robert De Niro going to get away? But we kind of already know those answers. So I would find the drama in other moments, I think. I don't know how I would do well, that. Well, there were plenty of good moments for that, right? Like, I mean, you know, you you know, if you don't know, for example, some of the smaller things about like, well, is his family going to get in trouble, right, right? right? Or what about all these supporting characters? And, and you know, I think that's that to me is always the... Uh, the interesting trajectory of this film is you have that great scene in in Canada, right, where they're all on the horseback and they're taking out the shipment, 
And it really feels very heroic. And then almost the next scene is where you see Oscar, the accountant, get brutally murdered in the elevator, yeah. right? And it kind of goes on a downward spiral after that point. Right. I, I certainly um, I didn't see the account. I mean, once the accountant's death is about to happen, they make it pretty obvious. But I, I, I wasn't right. expecting it. And uh, I wasn't expecting Sean Connery to die. It seemed like in that scene, that was a very interesting scene where he keeps unknowingly evading or seemingly unknowingly evading his home invader. Right. And... Uh, then succumbs to his mortal wounds. Like they they twice make you think that he's gonna survive this attack and he does not. Yeah. It's it's very unfortunate for him. Um but I, I enjoy this movie. I think it's it's really interesting. It does do it has a lot of stuff that's very uh of this time and and very influential, I think probably you know, uh going forward from here, just in terms of the style. Um, you know, there's the, the use of slow motion at the end there for that really long gunfighting scene is a little ridiculous, yeah. but at the same time, there's plenty of stuff that does that these days too. Yes, and the uh, the I would say the the most dated scene to me or shot to me, uh, which I think felt a little bit reminiscent of a scene from Die Hard, uh, is the the fall. The fall. The well, it's hard. It was harder to do at that point. I think um, just for just based on the the technology available. Um, I will say one interesting fall, thing. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I assume it's hard to get the the right look of it. I mean, I, I assume they do. F- it's interesting. Oh, you're gonna love this. It was nominated for four Oscars, including Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Connery, which he won. He um, wins, right? He did win. Um, although that you know, arguably, there's probably some people who would suggest that is a you know an award for other things he should have won for, right. but. Um, Best costume design, best art direction, and best score. <laughs> well, the thing is, it is a good score. Like right. the score is enjoyable. Um, it's just it's wrong for the movie, I think. Yeah, yeah. Sure. The um, you know, I thought that actually, I thought that Sean Connery actually did give a really good performance. I, his accent was <laughs> atrocious. There, he was voted first place in an Empire Magazine historical poll for worst film accent. <laughs> but it, uh, I mean, it was. Uh, I, I I liked his performance. I mean, it felt the same way that you kept feeling like De Niro was playing De Niro. I did feel like Connery was playing every Sean oh, Connery totally. character. But sure, he absolutely. nailed it. Well, yeah, I mean, that is a role that basically was written for Sean Connery, although then, like, you know, if it wasn't in Chicago, they probably could have just made the guy Scottish instead. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but it's, it's a, uh, it is a really good looking movie. What's, what's always interesting to me is the portrayal here of, you know, Capone and his crime syndicate. Um, the character played by Billy Drago, Frank Nitty, the guy in the white suit, yes. um, actual, actual historical figure. Um, I don't believe he was thrown off the roof, uh, of a building. Um, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I, I don't believe that he, uh, he was killed up there, but I may be wrong. Um, and he's portrayed elsewhere uh, in uh, – have you ever seen the movie Road to Perdition? Uh, that's Tom Hanks? Yeah, Tom Hanks and Paul Newman. I did see it. Okay, he's – the character or the, the historical figure of Frank Nitti also appears in that movie. Oh, I see. Um, played by Stanley Tucci. So if you want a very different portrayal of the same person, it's kind of night and day, which is kind of which you know brings into question all the the portrayals of the historical figures in here, right? Because this this seems to me to be very um, hyper stylized. So I don't know. Apparently, he was shot uh, 
but I guess we didn't see him. I mean, well, I mean, he doesn't get shot here, but yeah. So there's, there's a lot of questions about the historical accuracy of this. I mean, do they do eventually get Capone on tax evasion? Right. But right. You know, although I believe that in, in reality, Al Capone and Elliot Ness never actually come face to face. I think that may be true, but I'm not sure. I don't know enough about Elliot Ness. <laughs> But uh, I mean, so. But would you say this is this movie one of your favorites? No, I mean, I I would say I have an appreciation for it. Um, I wouldn't rank it, you know, based on the other movies that we've seen. I think most of those other movies are are films that I really put, you know, in my top fifty list. You're referring like to the that. ones that you brought to the table. Yes, exactly. Mannequin not um, necessarily cracking the. Did not make the top okay. fifty. Just checking. Um, but this one I, I enjoy. Um, but it's I don't probably have as quite as much fondness for it um, as as some of the other movies I've shown you. And, you know, I think um, that what it is for me is that it didn't feel it didn't feel quite fun. Um, like not that the story is going to be totally fun the whole time, but it's it just I thought it was good and it exemplified good storytelling and good writing. And it's hard for David Mamet I think not to have good writing. But it just, it was, not that it was a chore to get through or a burden, but just that, like, it was like, okay, I saw that. But not like, yeah, what's going to happen next? I can't wait, kind of thing. Right. It's a little, it's a little rude at times, and it's a little simplistic at times. Um, I feel like there might even be a cut of that movie that is better, right? Like, I mean, not that they exist, but, like, I think you could, you have all the ingredients. Right. And there's just something about the way that it's put together that, to me, doesn't quite end up as cohesive as you'd like. Right. Films like, to me, like Die Hard have this, you know, consistent tone and execution all the way through. And I think that, to me, a, a really successful movie has that consistency, um, that unity. Uh, you don't want a movie that veers too much from, you know, gritty seriousness to lighthearted comedy, right? That feels weird. It's hard to pull that off. Um, and so there are parts in this which I think are you know, kind of like rollicking adventure fun, like the part in, in Canada. Uh, and then there are parts in it that are really like gritty and violent right. that feel a little more out of place here. And and it is hard to reconcile those things with each other. Gotcha. I uh, I think that's right. I would agree. And I, I learned an interesting fact about the movie. What'd you learn? Any police officer who you see drinking alcohol on screen in the movie ends up dead. Drinking kills that, you. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's true. That's, that's, I think that's a valid concern. We should probably just outlaw alcohol again. It seems to work out really <laughs> it's, well. It's not a bad idea. Capone apparently was only sentenced to 11 years in prison. That's not that much for killing lots of people. Right. But uh, still, he didn't want to be there. No. So that's I, something. I guess that's still a bummer. So I'm, I'm glad to have seen it. I appreciate it. And I, well, you can the Naked Gun check it off the 33 list. and a third scene, yes. I I guess I must have known at some point that that was a parody. Uh, but I never, I didn't even know what the source was. Like I didn't know what I think I, was I, I saw that well before I actually saw this movie. Um, so yeah, I, I, I went about it backwards. Gotcha. Although that scene is also uncomfortable because that scene has O.J. Simpson in it. Right. Yes. All the Naked Gun movies have that problem. It is a problem. Well, uh, do we have anything left to discuss about The Untouchables? You want to say anything? Else? I think we've covered it. Uh, but I will say we... we is Now, is next week, the next movie, is that my last movie to pick before we watch one? That is both? your last okay. pick. 
before our final episode, which contains a movie that we have both not seen. Now, I feel like I have brought a lot of comedies to the table, and uh, John Syracuse has said that he would be extremely unhappy if I showed you something like Goodfellas. He doesn't want that to happen on the podcast. I know he has a, he has a very strong feeling out, but that would continue our De Niro stream. Right, right. But so, I don't know. Are you out of other movies? You have nothing oh, no, else? No, I'm, I'm looking at the list. And the thing is, I really oh, okay. like a lot of these. But, but my thought is, sometimes I haven't... Like, you liked Coming to America, so that was good. And I want to go out I did like on them. a high note. Like, I want to show you a movie that you're really going to enjoy. And I'm okay. trying to think... Like, I know that all of these movies are better in my mind than in reality. History of the World, <laughs> Young Einstein, Twins. Young Einstein is a terrible movie, let's be frank. Uh, but... Uh, twins. I mean, I almost made you watch Highlander, which is a terrible movie, but you know, it would be fun the two th- because you could make fun of it. The whole time. <laughs> yes, the two that I'm debating for between the most are Beetlejuice and Who Framed Roger Rabbit. Now, Who Framed Roger? Yeah, Rabbit, I believe you were de- debating between these last yeah. time you had to pick as well. Well, so Who Framed Roger Rabbit has a connection to this film because Bob Hoskins was the backup choice if De Niro said no. I saw that. Yes, uh, and then Beetlejuice has a connection because uh, Alec Baldwin could totally have also played. The Robert De Niro Al Capone role. I mean, not that he was ever in consideration for it. He would have been much too young. But I'm just saying he could have pulled it off. Okay. So those are the connections. Well, that's a that's an interesting choice. Are you going to announce today, or do you want to do you want some time to think about it? I know today was kind of a surprise. Well, I guess my question is, I'm trying to figure out which one you would enjoy more. And are you a big like Looney Tunes or cartoon fan? Was that a big part of your childhood or anything or no? Uh, I certainly watched a lot of cartoons. I will tell you this. I have been on the Roger Rabbit ride at Disneyland. Oh, okay. So that's a big spoiler then. Uh, I mean, I don't know how much of a spoiler it is. You drive around in a little cart and there's cartoons. There's Well, I'm not going to decide yet. I don't remember that it had much of a plot. I'm going to give it some thought, but it'll be it'll probably be one of those two next time. And sh- should All we tell right. people what the the final movie of the season is, or sh- is that is that still a secret? Uh, I don't know that it's a secret. I mean, you want to get ahead of ourselves? Is that we are you're, you're looking to drum up just excitement? Right. Is... Uh, well, yes, that's exactly right. I mean, you know, maybe they have to tune in to find out. Is all. I'm all saying. right. That could be. Well, that's exciting. And it's. I will way. say the the season finale of the show is an incredible movie in the sense that it's incredible that neither of us had seen it, nor <laughs> that uh, had our special guest for that episode seen it. Oh. I, I just oh, let it you've slip. Said, you've said too much. I'm now going to bash your head in with a baseball bat. <laughs> I've had it coming. Well, thanks, Dan. I, I appreciate your having shown me the untouchables. Well, I'm glad that you enjoyed it at least a little bit, and I look forward to whatever you pick next time. Yeah, you do. All right. Well, thank you all for listening, and uh, it's been another episode. <laughs> That's all I can say about it. I think you're absolutely right. Good night, everybody. I don't recognize the flag on the left. It's the flag of Chicago. Is it really? Two stars over a deep dish pizza. (laughs) (coughs) Sorry. Easy there. Wasn't that good.